You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the August edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. We're going to start with this note from the Crestone Eagle. Friends of the Crestone Eagle, would you like to make a difference in your community? We are calling in volunteers to help with special events and projects. Get involved and make a difference with your nonprofit community newspaper. Become a friend of the Crestone Eagle. What are your gifts? Let us know and we can help put them to use. Email Jennifer at director at CrestoneEagle.com. And now turning to school news. This is written by Thomas Cleary. CCS builds on strengths, looks to future. This spring, as I neared completion of my second year as director of the Crestone Charter School, I sent out a survey which generated 29 responses from a variety of students, parents, and staff. It is not too late for you to add your voice, even as a community member. The survey can be found on the web at bit.ly slash capital C, capital C, capital S, little vision, so CCS Vision 23. The survey started with a big picture strengths and weakness analysis, focused in on the CCS mission statement implementation, and then zoomed in further to three specific areas, relations, operations, and instruction, with sub-areas for each. Two in-person listening sessions followed up on survey responses. Relational sub-areas included feedback on teaching staff where appreciation for current staff and their caring was voiced along with the need to recruit and retain highly qualified teachers. Pay and housing concerns were also mentioned. Students were another sub-area and folks noted the individualized programming but questioned if those with additional needs were being fully served. Relations with parents garnered lots of comments highlighting the need for more parent involvement, volunteerism, reinitiating the parent-teacher organization, PTO, and improving two-way communication between the school and parents. Concerns about a culture of flexible attendance and excessive tardies were also noted. The Governing Council received high marks. Relations with the broader Crestone community and with Moffat School District did not get many com- comments and received neutral, sco- neutral scores, although food service and sports were mentioned as mostly positives. Elsewhere in the survey, community involvement was listed as an opportunity for deeper collaboration, such as with life skills-focused mentorships, vocational opportunities, working together to move the library into town, and more youth-focused clubs, after-school activities, and community performance and recreational spaces. This leads to the operational area where space was a most commented on sub-area. Classrooms, breakouts, offices, nurses' room, mentorships, shop, gyms, gardens, playground expansion, storage, experiential ed, performances, etc. all need space. Finances were an area people either felt okay about or did not know, but several noted the need for more grant writing to expand programming. Parents, coordinated with PTO folks, might be able to do this. 
The calendar debate, a four-day future versus the current four-and-a-half-day, received comments across the spectrum. The instructional area had the most positive comments in all sub-areas, with helpful growth ideas identified as well. The highest positive responses of the whole survey came in the sub-area of core subject instruction, including cross-curricular and project-based learning. Some respondents encourage more of this learning, and others encourage a focus on rigor and increased expectations, while a third set of comments focus on a shift to more real-world, vocational, and life skills-based curricula. In terms of our mission to provide holistic programming, scores tied for second place. This includes our social-emotional learning program, RULER, Restorative Practices, RP, Therapeutic and Evaluative Services, and Student, in, student Empowerment. Some wondered if we are meeting the needs of all, if we adequately manage classroom disruptions, and if the RP approach consequences are enough. Experiential programming was the other tie for the second highest scores with Monarch, Swimming, Field Trips, Spring Learning Expeditions, and Mentorships highlighted as successes. More of these and creating a K-12 scope and sequence for this learning were encouraged by several. Specialist classes were ranked only slightly lower with specific mention of art, music, and drama. Some commented on the need for a more integrated approach to these subjects. Other comments listed our small class sizes as a strength, along with alternative educational modalities and experiences, grade mixing, creatively structured learning, and our focus on the whole child, social-emotional wellness integration, as well as performing arts, student choice, engagement, and curiosity. Respondents also noted a lot of positive aspects of our mission implementation, as well as areas to reinvigorate. Growth areas mentioned were technology and cell phone concerns, and the need to re-engage students who lack motivation, self-direction, or focus. In closing, I asked participants to suggest two areas to concentrate on, parent involvement, including improved two-way communication, and space needs were the most reiterated. Others were recruiting and retaining excellent teachers with wages and housing to sustain them, therapeutic, academic, and behavioral intervention staffing needs, academic rigor and accountability in classrooms, post-secondary and vocational readiness, and attendance improvement. People felt that the biggest opportunity for CCS would be leveraging our position and resources to expand programming for Crestone youth outside of school sessions. Ideas included everything from a skate park to helping get the library into town and supporting student clubs and after-school activities. The second area suggests encouraging the PTO that was started at the beginning of last year and other community-based organizations to help meet those same youth needs. Having initiated this process guided my own reflection of my first two years as director. It has also begun the process of strategic planning for the next one through three years. This is a process I will engage staff, families, and community in as we launch the 23-24 school year. Short-term goals are clear. 
This summer we worked uh, to secure a modular for additional space. Next year we continue the two-way communication initiative we began last year including a survey bit.ly slash CCS communication. Weekly emails and occasional text blasts with priority information. Next year the PTO hopes to reignite room parents and coordinate the four hours per month of required volunteering per family. CCS has retained six out of seven lead teachers for two years running along with many support staff and I am working hard to fill a few vacancies in student services and administration. See the website crestone-charter-school.org employment and the classified ad in this paper and apply yourself to make an impact with CCS students. Share your skills and passion with a high school student two to four hours a week as we revitalize our programming with more life skills and true mentorship opportunities. Lastly, this year's pre-service days with returning teachers will focus on using tools from Ruler, RP, Mindfulness, Neurodiversity, and creating classroom culture to foster regulation skills within staff, students, and spaces. Join us from wherever you are in the Crestone community to plan goals and implementation steps for the future of CCS. And the ad that was mentioned in that article is in Help Wanted, CCS Positions for Fall. The Crestone Charter School has openings part to full time for licensed school counselor or social worker, classroom aides, high school mentors, special ed paraprofessionals or interventionists, no license needed, OIT, OJT experience with school-aged children is valued, substitutes, and food service. Please explore Crestone-Charter school.org slash employment on the web. Hourly starting at 16 to 18 dollars with flexible hours, great environment, and growth opportunities. Explore your future with us. Volunteer opportunities abound too. Come make a difference. And now taking a look at happenings. Inaugural powwow in September. This is written by Douglas Crowwolf and Katie Kelly. The inaugural San Luis Valley Intertribal Powwow is set for September 22nd to the 24th at the Outcult Event Center Ski High Complex in Monte Vista. This is a wonderful opportunity for the entire San Luis Valley community to experience and learn about indigenous culture. The Master of Ceremonies is Whitney Renconter. Whitney is one of the founders of Social Distance Powwow on Facebook and is the MC at several powwows across the country. The host drum group is Colorado Crew and the arena director is Dano Clark. This is an intertribal competition powwow and there will be dancers from all over. Dances will include fancy dance, traditional, grass, chicken, shawl, jingle, and tiny tots. The powwow starts at 2 p.m. Friday, September 22nd. Doors open at 10 a.m. Saturday and Sunday, September 23rd and 24th. There will be indigenous artists and food vendors set up during the powwow for the community to shop from and enjoy some indigenous food. There will be a grand entry at 6 p.m. on Friday evening, Saturday at noon, and again at 6 p.m. And Sunday's grand entry is at noon. 
Saturday evening at 5 p.m. there will be a community feed for all in the community to enjoy before the second grand entry of the day on Saturday. Winners of both dance and drum contests will be announced on Sunday. Competition winners will receive monetary prizes. This is a family-friendly event, and all in the community are invited to attend. Entry fee is $5. Kids under 10 are free. Veterans and elders 65 and over are $2. While this is family-friendly, it is a no-dog event, so please leave your dog at home. The San Luis Valley Intertribal Powwow is being hosted by Douglas Crow-Wolf, Cultural Activity Director of the Mystic Valley Art Council. If you are interested in helping volunteer for the powwow, please contact Douglas at 719-859-2656 or email him at crowwolf69 at gmail.com. A big thank you to the LOR Foundation for sponsoring the grant funding for this cultural event. And now turning to updates from the Baca National Wildlife Refuge. This was written by Zayla Pearson Good. Protecting a Treasured Landscape. The vast wild landscape and diverse array of species on the Baca National Wildlife Refuge make this corner of the San Luis Valley a unique gem. Wet meadows, playa wetlands, riparian areas, shrublands, and grasslands combine to make the refuge a haven for migratory birds and resident wildlife. The refuge also plays a critical role in protecting surface and groundwater resources in the northern San Luis Valley. Since becoming refuge manager last fall, Ty Benali has taken on the essential work of stewarding the 93,000 acres of land that comprise the refuge. Benali is currently overseeing a handful of projects aimed at maintaining the health and longevity of this treasured landscape and its inhabitants. Expanding upon and enhancing the Baca Nature and Heritage Trail is a top goal for Benali. In 2020, the initial segment of this trail was open to the public with the objective of promoting wildlife photography and recreation. Prairie dogs, antelope, elk, deer, jackrabbits, and a variety of birds are just a few of the many species that can be seen from the trail. Starting at Colorado College's Crestone Campus, the trail winds along the creek, into shrublands and grasslands, and then ends at the Baca National Wildlife Refuge Visitor Center. With assistance from a state grant and San Luis Valley Great Outdoors, SLV Go, the long-term vision for this non-motorized, multi-mile trail is to connect it to the Crestone Kiosk, where it can then feed hiking trails into the town of Crestone, Charter School, and the Baca Grand Subdivision. Expansion of the trail is planned to begin this month, August 2023. Adding educational material along the trail is another area of focus. Benali plans to consult with the many indigenous tribes that have connections to the area and create signage along the trail that relays their histories. These signs will also include information about local ecology and wildlife. Accessible from the end of the hiking trail, new educational exhibits are on display at the visitor center open Friday and Saturday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Visit fws.gov slash refuge slash baca on the web for opening times and dates. Benali is also tasked with continuing to improve the health of the refuge's riparian habitats, specifically Crestone Creek. 
These habitats have been in decline for years due to a history of ranching and overgrazing elk that have greatly decimated riparian trees, such as cottonwood and willow. By creating elk enclosures, managing elk hunting, and monitoring creek flow rates, Benali is seeing gradual improvement. Specifically, cottonwood trees are beginning to repopulate and stabilize the riparian zones that have been sectioned off from elk allowing local fish greater shade, spawning area, and safety from predators such as the great blue heron. One reason riparian zones are so important in the refuge is because they support native fish species, both endemic fish to the Rio Grande watershed and the, the Rio Grande chub and Rio Grande sucker live in the refuge. Close monitoring of these species is required as the chub is listed as a state species of concern and the sucker is listed as a state-endangered species. Benali is committed to improving and monitoring the habitat for these rare fish by recovering the riparian areas, creating fish passages, and directing creek flow. Improving habitat for shorebirds is another task that Benali is taking seriously. With funding from the Great American Outdoors Act, the refuge has plans to replace outdated water control structures. This upgrade will ideally allow water to flow more naturally into shorebird habitats and creeks while enhancing water gauge readings and flow rate monitoring. Replacing these systems is a massive undertaking and is currently in the planning phase. Benali's intern, Valerie Tafoya, is also busy at work collecting data on the nearly 1,500 elk in the, on the refuge. She is then sharing it with San Luis Valley agencies and the U.S. National Park Service. Tracking elk movement based on season and hunting periods will ideally lead to better herd management and conservation strategies. This data is also contributing to a four-year ArcGIS study on elk herds overseen by the NPS, National Park Service. Learn more about the refuge at the Visitor Center or online, fws.gov slash refuge slash BACA. Receive information on BACA National Wildlife Refuge, news, events, and updates. Connect with San Luis Valley National Wildlife Refuge Complex on Facebook. And now we have this article written by John Rowe, part one of a series, Owner-Builder Conversations, Where Are They Now? I wrote a series of articles about five years ago about a group of people who were engaged in building their own homes. My purpose was to introduce many of them to the community as they are involved in the commendable and, sadly, disappearing American tradition of homesteading. Folks building their own homes in Crestone has been a rich and consistent theme of just who we are and why many of us come here. Land has been historically cheap and building covenants are loose. The, com the community has a long history of encouraging the amateur building of earth-friendly, simple homes, homes that are within the realm of possibility for the brave and industrious few that dare come to this sometimes harsh and inhospitable place and begin the long and arduous task of building a life here, from the ground up. Most arrive with limited funds and work, scrimping and saving to bring their dream into reality. They build as time, money, and energy allow, and often take longer than the 18 months the Baca Grand Property Owners Association, POA, would like to see. But many persevere and almost miraculously end up with good solid homes. 
I am interviewing a prime success story here with perhaps more in the offing. There are a number who fit into this category. My first interview is with Goldie Mariola and her partner, Matt Evers, who built an earthship house out along Willow Creek in the Grants. For those who don't know, earthships are homes that are built of old tires stacked in walls on the north side and a lot of windows on the south-facing side. They are warm in the winter and cool in the summer, requiring little energy to keep them so. Vegetables and even trees are often grown in the sun-drenched south side, making them even more practical and green. Eagle Wow, your place is so roomy and welcoming. So how long did your house take to build? Matt, it took three years to get our certificate of external completion and about two more to finish the interior. Eagle, that is a lot of work. I know you both left for California every fall to work all winter, save your money, and come back and build all spring and summer in addition to working for money to live on. Was it worth it? Goldie, absolutely. We have a home that we love in a community we feel a real part of. And are you ready? We are mortgage-free. I don't think many people our age are so fortunate. Matt and Goldie are both 35. Eagle, what do you like best about your house? Goldie, in addition to being mortgage-free, I love that so many in our owner-builder circle of friends helped us out just as we have helped them out when we could. I can look around and see all the work so many friends did. I am surrounded by good memories. Matt, I love that we are completely off-grid. We are on a well and septic system, and everything is powered by a solar array outside. We have next to no monthly utility bills and, of course, no mortgage. This has given Goldie and I lots of room to explore just how we want to spend our time living. The owner-builder community is very close, tight-knit, and I love having the time and hard-earned wisdom to give to other builders just as many of them have given to us. I may not be able to do that with a hefty month nut to crack like most people have. This self-sufficiency has also helped me develop my own business. It is called Everstone Excavation and Septic LLC, and I have been able to buy a dump truck and some earth-moving equipment. Soon I will be able to put in septic systems and hook up water and sewer lines in addition to dirt work and driveways I do now. None of this could have ever happened with a large rent or mortgage payment to take care of every month. Goldie, I have started being a death doula to someone who helps dying people and their families through the death process. I have several clients now and am looking forward to being able to help Crestone and the Baca in this way in the future. I also am very active with the Crestone Energy Fair, as is Matt, and fully believe in what we are trying to do there. It is such a gift to be able to serve the community, and I am grateful that I don't have to work all the time paying bills and that I can do things I truly believe in and help others. Matt and Goldie are a joy to be around and an inspiration to me to help people more and further explore some of life's options. I thank everyone, Matt and Goldie, the Baca Grand Property Owners Association, the owner-builder community, and all of us supportive residents that help to make their dream come true. We all benefit from their presence here. This success story is truly one of the reasons we are blessed to live in Crestone. And now taking a quick look at the calendar, Friday, September 1st, we have Free Food Friday at Food Assistance at the Baca Library. On Saturday, September 2nd, Acoustic Music at the Crestone History Museum, all Saturdays at 11 a.m. 
Also on Saturday, Wisdom Teachings of the Bhagavad Gita. The meetings, which include meditation and interactive participation, are held every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to noon and are offered entirely on a donation basis. Meetings are held in the dining hall at 4462 Ridgecrest Way, the Labyrinth property in the area of Crestone Chalet 3. One may also attend uh, via the Zoom facility by contacting Sajan at Alandi108, that's A-L-A-N-D-I, 108 at gmail.com. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.